Hello and welcome to episode number 78 uh, and to Mike's Open Journal. Delighted to share with you today uh, the conversation I had a little while ago now with Hannah, where we spoke about mental health and body image and how the two can kind of work together uh, in both positive and sometimes negative ways. A little bit about our own thoughts and feelings on those topics. Uh, And it's very much an introductory type episode uh, as we're going to come back to this topic in the new year uh, and spend a little bit more time on it and also have one of Hannah's friends and I believe colleagues as well, Una, join us. Um, So we're going to talk a little bit more about this in the new year. But it's a really nice intro, I think, to the conversation around body image uh, and how that can link into mental health. So I hope you enjoy the episode. As always, if you're interested in coming onto the podcast in the future, please do get in contact. All of the details for the podcast, the blog and everything else is available at mikesopenjournal.com. But for now, I'm going to drop you straight into the conversation with Hannah. So I know like we spoke... Um, I think, did we start talking in a conversation or in a chat? Because I lost track of, um, we chatted for a while and then it disappeared. And then, yeah. I don't know if it was you or Una brought the I'm messages a back. A, I'm a bit of a terror on Twitter, really. Like, I just I just retweet everything. I like everything. And I just pop up and bother everyone. <laughs> um, that's how I use Twitter. But it's, I've got to say, like, Twitter is such a good sphere at the minute for people who are mental health advocates. Like, there's just so much going on, and there's always some great chats to, like, get in on. And, yeah, that's how I came across this. I remember, like, I've started to fall out a little bit with the chats. Like, I just, I've become busier in the evenings and can't get to them. But, like you say, it's so amazing. Like, the amount of stuff that I've seen people post of being involved with, like, projects and activities and stuff is really amazing. It's fantastic, isn't it? I just, yeah, I can't... It's really cool that there's that much stuff going on anyway. Yeah. Um, but just to see, like, everyone posting... I think it lends itself quite nicely to, like, the whole social media debate, um, which obviously has a role to play in body image. But Mm. I think people, when they talk about mental health nowadays, they're very quick to jump on the bandwagon of saying, you know, oh, social media is the devil. It's, you know, terrible things are happening. And sure, like, there are some negative sides of social media, but this is just an example of how it can be so positive for your mental health and how you know people use it as a coping mechanism really and it's really cathartic to share your story on platforms like this yeah and I think as well it's that opportunity especially for some of us that are affected by things that we maybe wouldn't talk about as openly Um, and I think the internet does give you that little bit of confidence sometimes to talk Mm -hmm. in a way you maybe wouldn't um, in in brackets real life uh, yeah, <laughs> I think that's a really cool thing because a lot of the people that I follow and that I talk to, I think it's all based around like me sharing, them sharing stuff mm. that we wouldn't have necessarily shared. Um, it's with people that, in all honesty, don't live anywhere near me, yeah. <laughs> so it's not people that I would have like naturally come across or had oh, the opportunity to contact if kind of social media or in particular like the the twitter chats and groups and things like that Mm. didn't exist 
but it creates such a strong community feel and also quite a safe space, which is quite contradictory to what a lot of people think about social media. Mm. So it's interesting, very interesting. Yeah, I mean, oh, there's loads we could go into of social media. I know. Um, <laughs> though, I think. Yeah, I think, like you say, it can be a really, really cool place. And sometimes it doesn't always work out like that. But um, I think a lot of the time the negative experiences are usually like short term. Whereas mm. I feel like the positive experience that people have are over a longer period of time. So yeah, it definitely shows like its benefit there, I think. And again, for obviously the thing that we're going to talk a little bit about today, things like body image, yeah. um, like the opportunity, like I know a few people that have kind of come onto the podcast and spoken about their willingness to talk about um, like their body, the way they look, the way they uh, feel. Um, again, is something... I think, I don't know that they've specifically said this, but they have more confidence to talk about that online when they yeah. maybe wouldn't if they were stood sort of face to face with someone. Definitely. It's a great sort of transitional tool, I think, when you're when you're starting to become body confident and you're sort of fighting off your demons and your body dissatisfaction, having that safe sort of uh, online space to test out these ideas that you... and these things you wouldn't have dared to do in the past I think you know it creates this really great sort of virtual reality and then that's sort of a stepping stone into being you know body confident in in your everyday life then I I believe anyway yeah I think so I think it's it also like through I guess like blogging and podcasts and vlogs and stuff like that it gives people a chance to I guess compose what they're going to say rather than Um, like if we were sat in front of each other and you've got to think about how it comes across and what you're going to say and actually if I just I sit here on my own and I think about what I want to say and I might maybe I write it a couple of different ways maybe I want to use an image of how I look and I can take a couple of different pictures and decide how it shows what I'm talking about or what I'm happy to show what I'm not happy to show Um, and I think it's being able to sort of form um that first uh it's not a response to that i guess that first statement of like yeah. this is how i feel and this is what's going on definitely yeah and i think it's so great um that the body positivity movements like just expanding by the day and there's some amazing social media influencers now uh, especially a number who's re- sort of recovered from an eating disorder and now they go out there and they post pictures of themselves that they would have never dreamt to do in the past yeah. and they're really promoting that body positivity message and they're trying to get across you know everything doesn't have to be filtered everything doesn't have to be perfect we can we can just present ourselves you know as as we were made and that's okay yeah. and you know it's creating this safe space i think for people to experiment with different ideas of themselves and their identity as well yeah i really like i've seen i think it's been more in the last couple of weeks there's been a few people posting about like um oh you don't have to be like in your underwear as well for like body positivity images and like yeah. stuff like that and i think that's really interesting as well because it's almost like oh the conversation has moved past this initial point um and it's so cool like that's still okay but we don't have to have that like people understand a little bit more now that you almost don't need to be shocked into like this is now what we're talking about yeah Uh, and i i find that really cool and really interesting that 
hopefully, maybe it's just certain people, I don't know, um, but we kind of got to that stage where we're like, we can now talk about, um, like, bodies, how we feel, and it doesn't need to be, like, this shock of, like, here is someone that is naked and in a particular position. Actually, no, this is just me. I can be naked. I can be in my underwear. I can be fully clothed. I can be wearing a Mac. It doesn't matter. Um, I'm talking about my images and this is how I see myself. Mm, I think that's really interesting. Just when you were talking about how times are changing and stuff, I think it's mm. important to mention that last night there was a launch of a report. It was a report um, jointly published by the Youth Select Committee and the British Youth Council, and that was all about making recommendations that things the government can do mm. to create a body confident future. And I think that just really goes to show that you know body image isn't this sort of it isn't this idea of, oh, it's just young girls putting makeup on, making themselves feel better, because it's it's not. It's just mm. so much more complex than that. And it's also, it's not about vanity, but it's an actual public health issue that, you know, the government needs to respond to and needs to take measures to prevent it from getting worse, I believe. So I'm, I'm actually really happy that we're having this talk today, mm. because I think it was, last night was a real sort of turning point in my eyes, and that people are really starting to recognise body image. Um as a really tangible way that we can create positive mental well-being and prevent mental illness from onsetting as well. Mm. Oh, yeah. It really brings up in my mind, is it, I can't, there was like a music video in like the 90s where there was mm. loads of like kids looking at themselves in the mirrors and that was, felt like it was all to do with body image. Are you thinking of Christina Aguilera, beautiful? Am I? That, I don't know. That would be the right sort of time. In mm. my mind, that's like that video, if that's the right song, that's mm. like the first time I think I ever really like thought about body image um, uh. as like a thing. Um, and I think now, like looking back, like how it feels like more important than it ever felt at the time. It was more like a, oh, I guess it's like a talking point or something from the video. Yeah. But actually, like looking back, I think, oh, like how much of a important and powerful message was that at the time that maybe maybe it maybe it meant more to other people than it meant to me at that time i don't know that's so interesting i'm gonna i'm gonna google that video tonight i'm gonna youtube it and watch it again <laughs> look and we'll talk about it next that's time <laughs> and you'll be like no it's not you're like well it's not kids two it's not that song i don't know what you're talking about <laughs> no but that's so true because like one of the other things I do is I sort of go into schools and I, I get the conversation about body image going with young children. Mm. And I just wish that, you know, our generation had that because if if we did, for example, like my problems would have probably been nipped in the bud a lot earlier. But instead, you know, I was I was left to sort of grapple with this quite complex concept of body image, how you see yourself, how you feel about yourself from a young age and I think that's probably where like my problems started they started to manifest themselves from that and you know if we if we introduced the conversation earlier in a child's life then you know we might be able to avoid the onset of more severe mental health problems like in my example I've got body dysmorphia bulimia depression anxiety just more comorbidities than you could shake a stick at really <laughs> and it just it really highlights for me how we need to get these conversations going from an early age and we need to promote body positivity as well and diverse body image um, because, you know, you remember when we were young and, I mean, it's still pretty present today, but we've got this westernised, this 
which is now a globalized beauty standard, mm-hmm. you know, of the thin, blonde, pretty girl. And, you know, we have we have to grapple with that as as young as young people. And it really does it really does affect you from such a young age when you've got these subconscious sort of standards to live up to. And they're all just they're all just balmy. They're all just nonsense anyway. And I wish that message would have been told to us when we were younger. So that's why that's why I'm so passionate about body image and sort of getting the conversation out to young people. Because I just think, you know, we could have avoided so many more problems from on setting. I think it's having people that have had that experience as well that are prepared to come and talk about it and raise the issues. And I think, I I don't know, I always compare it to, like, when I see people doing, um, like, activities for charity. So when they yeah. do, like, fun runs or stands and things like that. Um, uh. And I'm always like, oh, it's absolutely amazing that you're doing that. But I very rarely have I ever heard or do I ever really know of anyone that's ever done any of that without being like almost directly affected by it and Mm. I think it's because you have to have that experience or that exposure to it to understand or associate with the difficulties in that area and I think in so many ways it's almost reliant on individual people to sort of stand up and say actually I don't think this is right I think we could do more um which is okay, I, I guess. I don't know. It's just a weird... In my mind, it's like, oh, it's never really put forward by anyone in power. It's always like the individual mm-hmm. person's like, actually, this isn't okay. They start up like a charity or and yeah. then they get other people to come along and then hopefully someone important in brackets <laughs> um, then gives them some sort of validation by funding something. And it's just... It seems like a s- strange way for... I get. I don't know, like society to work. I'm not sure. Yeah. No, I get you. Um, I I couldn't agree more as well about having someone with lived experience um, be sort of the best person for the job mm. because I find so I'm sort of I approach like my work sort of 50% expert by experience and then 50% like academic researcher and practitioner mm. and I think I couldn't really do it without one of without both of those um, sides of me. I think they're both equally as important. And I think this is actually being recognised more and more. So, for example, in the in the government's five year forward view for mental health, they they really advocate this concept of co-production um, and that's sort of getting people who are experts by experience, who've had lived experience of mental health to be just as integral in processes such as service design um, workshop design, things like that and service evaluations as well just as valued as, say, the commissioners or the policymakers or the clinicians. So I think more and more people who have been service users, who are experts by experience, are getting getting respected more and saying, actually, we need to listen what these people have to say because... You know, it's not you're not just a tokenistic service user. You you know, you've been through it, you've got that insight and you've got that richness to add to the process. So I think that's that's a positive thing, um, what the government's doing in terms of enriching people with lived experience is sort of contribution. Yeah, contribution. I think you, mental health for the services. Like you start to see the value in stuff as well. So like you feel like <laughs> when you fill in an evaluation form like it's actually worth doing if you like you say if you apply for 
work or volunteering like the experience um, you've had with mental health is actually seen as something positive absolutely because mm. you're able to bring that knowledge that experience that understanding of what other people are going through as well or what the process is like to sit at home and wait for four months for treatment <laughs> and, <laughs> and <I> definitely <laughs> that adds quite a lot to it and I think we're getting to a stage where actually people are now um, like in posts where they've had lived experiences. And then so they in turn value it from like the next people coming through. Mm. Uh, So I think that's happening. But my sort of knowledge of that is very much at like the service level. So it could be that the practitioner that's leading the group has that experience, but maybe the person that's in charge of like, budgets or yeah marketing and promoting the groups not that they really need to be promoted because they're oversubscribed but (laughs) but the person that's kind of (laughs) who wants to come along everyone (laughs) Um, the people that are maybe managing those projects aren't the people with experience necessarily so I guess it's Mm. taking time for that to kind of build through as well Um, I think like the final sort of the final level the final stage is when you know we have people with lived experience just filter infiltrating at all levels mm. and we don't have a sort of us and them yeah um sentiment about it either i think we should just you know imagine if we didn't have to put service users in this little box you know and treat them tiptoe around them walk in eggshells around them because you don't know what they're going to do next mm. that sort of thing so I mean, yeah, it's a nice vision. I think we've got a long way to go, but we're definitely on the right track, I like to think, anyway. I think so. Um, And keeping in mind our kind of introductory type talk today for obviously the Mm -hmm. next chat that we have uh, in a couple of months' time um, is something else that I think is kind of becoming more... It's not becoming more important. It's always been important, but maybe becoming more recognised, I think, as well with body image is... (laughs) Um, particularly like those people or individuals or groups that maybe aren't sure about their gender identity as well and how that fits into their kind of their image of themselves and their body as a part of that absolutely it's um yeah it's a huge issue there's just such a massive lack of evidence in that research um so Basically, um, the PSHE Association in 2015, they identified vulnerable groups when it came to teaching body image education. Mm. And gender non-conforming was a group that was identified, as were BME pupils, um, pupils, I don't necessarily agree with this, but pupils who are deemed as overweight or obese or underweight and at risk of an eating disorder, Mm. and as well, pupils with visible difference. But I think you can't have a discussion about body image without including a discussion about gender mm-hmm. as well. It's mm-hmm. it's so rife. And I mean, it's we're at a really funny stage and I'm at a really sort of awkward point with my research because I've always focused on young women mm. and girls because, you know, the statistics are out there and they are disproportionately... Uh, affected by this issue so there's a more of an urgent need to sort of see what's going on find the reasons why this is and what we can do to help and stop it really from getting worse Mm. so there are 
in the discourse of body image, there's a lot of feminist approaches. And I think, you know, we can't ignore that. However, we are seeing a rise in sort of young men and boys coming forward and saying, you know, I've actually got problems with my body image too. I mean, there's the, the charity Men Get Eating Disorders too, which they do. Um, and as well, you know, there's more more of an awareness around muscle dysmorphia yeah. um, and steroid abuse and things like that. Issues specific to um, the male gender. It's just difficult, I believe, to gender mental health issues, though. And I think moving forwards, we need a more sort of inclusive and universal approach. So, you know, in an ideal world, when we teach body image education, like in primary schools, mm. it will be appropriate for all, all boys, all girls all gender non-conforming, all, all non-binary, mm. all races, all ethnicities, all cultures, all religions. And I think we can't have a truly effective universal prevention strategy without acknowledging that there's all these vulnerable groups and at-risk groups mm. who will have to deal with body image issues more so than, you know, this is gender boy, this is gender girl especially. Mm. So that's actually an area I'm really, really interested in. Um, and if I was ever to pursue a PhD, I think it would be probably sort of studying the body image of non-binary children. Another thing that's interesting as well is looking at body image within the LGBT community, um, specifically the gay male body categorization discourse. I find that very interesting. Um, I have a friend who we're working on a project together and he's very interested in you know, how, how do we categorise our bodies? Like, for example, um, on I think there's one of the one of the gay apps, it, it tells you to sort of specify your body type. Mm. And you just think, how damaging is that really, though? You know, having to sort of say, this is this is the box I fit in. Mm. You know, I hope I'm appealing to you. I hope I'm good enough for you. And I hope this is acceptable for you. Um I mean, the fashion industry is just as guilty with, you know, the apple shape, the pear shape, the hourglass shape. But similarly, we've got like the gay community trying to keep up with that, with the otters and the bears and the twinks. And it's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Like, why why are we comparing women to fruit? And why are we comparing gay males to small animals? I don't get it. Like, we need to just stop. We need to stop with this trying to shoehorn ourselves into a box where we're we're sort of asking to be accepted for that we need to drop it all and we just need to be like look we all have a body we all have functioning bodies which is great why don't we appreciate that rather than it's aesthetic i so think that, it falls yeah, into so much of that like comparison doesn't it and that's mm-hmm. maybe where some of the issues lie and i think uh again like i massively agree with that idea that a lot of the messages that we need to give out around things like um, mental health, body image, but for me, even things, um, especially like with a lot of media coverage at the moment, around things like sexual health, consent, actually yeah. should be focused at all people rather than this is the message that we give mm-hmm. females, this is the message that we give males or those that identify. And I just think, um, actually, like I remember, I remember being, I don't know what year we would have been, maybe like year nine at secondary school, and the girls were taken off to learn about periods i guess and we were left with bananas and condoms and i'm like (laughs) shouldn't we all be learning this like in 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 theory in the future 
I mean, we didn't talk about gay people when I was at school. So the assumption was that you were going to be male and female as a couple. So am I not going to be in a relationship later where I'm going to need to know about periods because I'm going to be with someone that's going to be having those? Is my girlfriend or my wife not going to need to know about condoms because at some stage she might want to put one on? Like, I just, it just seems a bit... I don't know, like, what's the least amount of work we can do? Right, well, they've got a willy. Let's tell them about that. Well, these people are going to have that. Let's tell... I was like, oh, just tell... Like, it's not like they don't know. Like, Mm. it just... It seems like a a strange way to go. But I guess with everything that's new, like, we're apprehensive about that. Um, And it just seems a shame that, like, the people that I hear talking about this don't seem to have, like much of a better experience than I had and I think surely in all of those years shouldn't we have moved actually quite a lot further along I mean you would have hoped but it doesn't look like we're going at the progress I think you and I would hope yeah we live in just such a heteronormative society like you said everything is this dichotomy of Mm. boy girl straight you know Blair and it's just like can't we just appreciate that there might be some more diverse categories that we've not you know that we've just not really given the attention that he deserved before and I think that's you know that argument lends itself very well to the body image debate I I think because you know we we do think everyone's either attractive or not and you either you either fit the standard of attractive or you're not attractive that's bullshit mate like you've got to appreciate that everyone's different everyone's you know that should be something that's celebrated though and everyone finds different things attractive and like what i find attractive today i might find something else attractive tomorrow and fuck that's just me (laughs) like (laughs) yeah i don't know well it's interesting because like i um recently like had a chat with a friend and he Mm. um he came out as being gay like a number of years ago and we like we used to go out when we were younger and um we we'd like go around with our friends and we'd go out to like some bars and stuff like that and um like recently I went out and had like a bit of a catch up with him and mm. I said like it's not until now I said when I look back and I've like got to know you a bit more like now you've come out and like I see that there is a different side to you and I said I now feel like one like it's absolutely amazing that I get to see this side of you and that you can be open with me and when we go and do stuff that you're like that I said but do you ever feel like when we used to go around before was it like to me we don't go to straight bars we just go to a bar I said but did it feel like we went to places that were like straight bars and then when you were with your other friends you could go to a gay bar and he was like kind of and he said it's not that it's a straight bar it just it feels quite restrictive and like you're expected to behave or act in a certain way Mm. and I was like to me this is why we should be able to talk about stuff and understand it because even though I'd got to this stage where I'd maybe thought that I didn't know and without sitting down and talking to him you don't understand oh absolutely that's the environment that people can feel and like I say to me we weren't in a straight bar we were just in a bar yeah. But his experience was that different in the way that I think if we went to a gay bar, would I, I don't know, would I think, oh, it's a gay bar or is it just a bar? I, I And I feel like I, I would probably think, oh, we're in a gay bar and it'd be slightly different. Like I wouldn't care, but I would think in my head, oh, we're in a gay bar. 
when really should I just be thinking it's just the same as anywhere else it's just a bar mm. it's, it's it's a difficult one isn't it and it's hard to really comment on um unless like you've been in that situation mm. but just going back to something you said earlier about like the sex and relationship education and things yeah. like that look what I found is you know a lot of my friends who who are gay men they've they've just had to teach themselves and how is that fair mm. how is that fair like you said that you know all these all these straight kids get to sit down with a banana and a condom and know yeah. how to look after and protect themselves in the future mm. um but then there's the gay men who just all of that, their specific issues just get forgotten about and ignored and mm. that's just not an inclusive education i think that's a huge problem it's it's really difficult isn't it I guess like, it comes from that, like, like you say, it's it's keep on talking about it and give those people that have had that experience the opportunity mm. to talk and say, actually, that thing that you think is awful, we kind of think that's okay. It's not too bad. Like, it's not great, but it's okay. That thing that you're not talking about is fucking horrible. <laughs> <laughs> and you just don't know what that is until you have the opportunity to talk to different people. And again, like, talk to one person they've got one experience and someone else has got something different but until you mm-hmm. have an open conversation that perspective is just lost so you're, you're, you're never really going to know and I think that's where like you say the importance of talking about body image well yeah if we carry on not talking about it like you say are we going to expect all girls to look a certain way are we expecting yeah. men to look a certain way are we expecting mm-hmm. everyone that doesn't fit with that idea of those genders and how they should look to like just yeah. fuck off and go somewhere else like surely yeah. that's not right so that's how society's made those people feel yeah. isn't it we're just we're conditioned to hate ourselves and big businesses prosper from us hating ourselves and it's really rare today that you you know you can walk down the street without having sort of these messages thrown at you like you know you're flawed you need to fix that you need mm. to be this way you need to stop being that way and you know so i do think i think big businesses have a lot to answer for um when it comes to body image and when it comes to how we feel about ourselves i mean that's a whole different debate for another day i believe yeah. but um i think it's important to to sort of recognise that there is corporate responsibility mm. in here because, you know, a lot of how our, our vision of ourselves is formed, how body image is formed, is due to society and, like, social cultural influences. And if we're in a, living in a society and growing up in a society that's constantly telling us we're wrong and we need to be fixed to mm. look this way, you know, of course there's going to be the mental health repercussions such as the, the disorders I mentioned earlier. Yeah. You know, I think one thing that I want to make sure we mention as well, just because it's really, I say important, I guess it's just annoying um, to me, <laughs> is um, toilets. So especially okay. like you think of all the stuff we've just mentioned um, mm-hmm. and then you're told when you want to go to the toilet, which is something none of us can get away from. But like it's going to happen. It's OK, so um, are you a man or a woman? Uh, and that's it okay it's not even are you a man or a woman it's like is everyone else going to see you as a man is everyone else going to see you as a woman and just oh my gosh and um, there's a few places now that are getting there with the all access toilets and Mm -hmm. this is for everyone Um, yeah and that's really cool I've seen a couple that have been slight mishaps with I have to admit like one of these was 
um, somewhere that I used to work and I saw through social media that they'd changed what was previously a disabled toilet into an all-gender toilet, which I thought was right. a bit cheeky because everyone's still just going to see it as a disabled toilet. Yeah, um, that was the next point, actually. Yeah, but they like... they turned it into um, an all-gender toilet. Then okay. on the... Um, like the symbols that they used was the the male symbol, female symbol. I think they might have had um, like the cross male female symbol, and okay. um, uh, like the wheelchair symbol. And I was like, oh yeah, well done to my previous workplace. Blah blah blah. That looks amazing. Well done you. Still thinking mm-hmm. it's a bit cheeky because it's a disabled toilet. Then a yeah. student that <laughs> goes there is like, uh, didn't realise the disability was a gender. And I'm like, oh my god, they're so right. Because like, <laughs> <laughs> I've called it an all gender <laughs> toilet. <laughs> are, are you are you man, woman, or disabled? Like, no, there's more categories than that. Why do you have to choose between those three? It's ridiculous. It was just, oh, it just made me laugh. I was like, oh, you're so right. Sometimes you just need someone to come along and just be like, uh, what the fuck. And um, yeah, I was like, no, it should, it should, they should, they're all access toilets. I know there's another word that's been going around that I keep on forgetting, but to me, it's just an all access toilet. Everyone has access to those toilets. Yeah. Um, I don't see why there's, there aren't more that are just, it's individual cubicles. We do away with the idea of like this toilet block or toilet unit or whatever that, I don't really know what they're called, where you go in and there's like urinals and toilets and stuff and you all share sinks and just to have the individual cubicles where there's a toilet, a sink, a bin, a mirror, whatever, like everything's in there that you're going to need. Um, maybe have a couple that are slightly bigger so that if someone is going in with an aid or someone to help them, that there's space for those other things or people. But oh my god why does it matter if you're sitting down and you've got a vagina or a penis like literally like <laughs> how can someone like it's, it's everyone's human right to go to the toilet like you shouldn't have your basic human right of having a wee or having a period taken away from you because of your gender identity right. i just think that's so foolish but it's just an issue that some people do have to face every day yeah and it's like what like is society really so behind that we can't just let People go to the toilet where they want. Yeah. Like, goodness me, why have we got to have everything in this sort of, like I said, this dichotomy of it's one or the other, yeah. it's man or woman, nothing else. Yeah. And at a time, it just doesn't matter. There is, mm. like, I I understand there's conversations that go around around, like, security or people feeling safe or whatever, but to me, that's almost a by the by. Like, you, you don't even need to be in that situation in the first place. Because if toilets were, uh, and hopefully they are now being built more in this way, is that if they're just individual cubicles, it doesn't matter because you're never, like, in there with someone else within reason. Like, you're in there, you do what you're in there to do and you come out and that's it. Um, And then if we are using buildings where there are those, like, older toilet units um, Mm. or blocks or whatever, then that's a discussion that needs to be had in that workplace or that school or that public area um that actually if someone associates with that gender then they can go in and use the toilet like i i don't know i mean i don't know how much of an issue that is but i not constantly um but i do repeatedly hear about people that want to use toilets that they don't feel able to and i just think it's just to go to the toilet Jeez, man, it's like 2017. Give people, mm. give people the right to go to the toilet. Are we really having this conversation? Like, can you believe it? I know, absolutely ridiculous. <laughs> um, so I don't know if 
you want to have a little bit of a chat about uh, like what we're going to talk about next time and use it as a bit of a promo space? Yeah, that'd be cool. Um, so, Hannah, what are we going to talk about next time? <laughs> okay, that's not staged. No. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so, so body image is just so important to me. Body image education is a hill that I will die on, and I thoroughly believe that this is a tangible way that we can prevent the onset of mental illnesses such as eating disorders. Now, my friend and colleague, Una, she strongly believes that the way that we are going to prevent eating disorders from onsetting is through teaching emotional regulation, which I don't think you can de- deny is a huge, huge part of uh, an eating disorder and how it manifests. So it'll just be interesting to hear how we're both going to approach the subject with such different from such different angles. Um, but we're friends, so we won't have a fight. Um, yeah, and I'll probably go into more in more detail about um, body image education, where we are, where we're up to, and like the scope for it actually coming into practice and being implemented and things, because it's just so important. And I'll make sure we have... I'll put some sort of link between the two episodes as well. So um, this can be essentially like our intro. So if we suddenly start talking in more depth in the next one, like mm. this was the beginning. So, <laughs> sure. um, so yeah. Well, thank- we've, gone, we've gone off piste quite a lot. But <laughs> yeah, well, we've covered, like I say, it's a very general introduction. Yeah. Um, because otherwise I feel like we'll get, it's quite hard not to really get into a subject. So we've we've jumped around quite a lot and spoken about a lot of different things that will feed into essentially like body image and how we feel about ourselves. Mm. Um, and I think hopefully we've not really gone too much into the stuff that we're going to talk about next time as well. I hope so. Cool. Um, so thank you very much, Hannah. If people do want to try and find out a little bit more about you before we speak next time, um, mm. where can they find out information about you or the stuff you're doing so, like I said, I'm very active on Twitter, um, and I, I regularly post sort of updates with my work and my research um, and different events that I'm holding. I don't know if this will go out before it, but I'm doing a body image education fundraiser at the beginning of December, so maybe you could yep. put a link in it. I don't know. That'd be cool. Yep. Um, but, yeah, probably my Twitter is the best place to find me. Cool. And um, what's your Twitter handle? It's... At Hannah Lou, one, two, three, four, five. Cool. One, two, three, four, five. <laughs> yeah. I was very young and I didn't know what to do, so I just put numbers one to five. I at the love end that you've stuck with that. <laughs> I remember seeing someone's email address where they were applying to uh, the college I was working at at the time. Uh-huh. And it started off like it was the before the, the at Hotmail or Gmail or whatever it was, their address was Sexy Kitten. And no, I'm like, you're not applying it. to a college with the email address <laughs> sexy kitten at. No, you're not. Um, like the acceptance <laughs> or the rejection letter, like dear sexy kitten, is with <laughs> that we are going to reject you from this college. <laughs> oh, who am I kidding? She was probably accepted, but that's <laughs> <laughs> despair. I think, oh, hasn't someone spoken to you and just said, just use your name? Oh, with all of those cringy email addresses, man. 
Um, yeah, so thanks very much for, for coming hey, on and having a chat. Yeah. And uh, I look forward to um, talking again soon and getting a little bit more into our conversations on body image. Yeah, me too. Can't cool. wait. Thank you very much. Well, you take care, mate. See ya. Bye. Bye.